Hello, welcome to this episode of Inside View. My name is Corey Burnell and I'll be your host. And we're uh, lucky to have our Calaveras County Planning Department um, Director, Peter Maurer, with us uh, again. Peter, nice to see you again on the show. Great to be here again. Yeah, well, um, there's been no shortage of activity in your department, that's for sure. And uh, you've uh, served well there for years. I guess we'll get right out the gate here letting our viewers know that, uh, yes, the end of April will be the, the last of it for you, huh? That's correct, yes. Retiring then. Right off into the sunset. <laughs> well, good. Good for you. Uh, what do you plan to do with your time at that point? Anything you, know, you want? Um, yeah, just, uh, you know, not have to get up at the crack of dawn to get to work. Yeah. Uh, no, I'll do a lot of, uh, I'll be staying in, t in the community. Um, I've got an you know, interest in a winery in Murphy's, oh, and, and uh, we'll be doing a lot of hiking and cycling and camping and hopefully some traveling once All the right. COVID restrictions are lifted. We can get out and start, get back to normal. Well, will we see you in any tasting rooms in Murphy's? Probably. Okay, good, good. <laughs> I look forward to doing that then. Um, well, okay, a lot to cover here uh, for our viewers about, uh, you know, the, the big thing in the county, the general plan and its implementation. Um, there's a number of programs in it that you're going to have to put in place. Uh, right out the gate, talk about, I guess, um, you mentioned greenhouse gas programs and resource protection programs. So tell us a little bit about uh, what's on your plate now with the general plan implementation. Well, it's a plan adopted just a little over a year ago. Mm -hmm. uh, we've been focusing now on, on implementation, uh, getting all the programs. And there's a long laundry list of things that we promised to do, and you know, we intend to do that. You know, the thing I always like to tell people is, you know, the plan isn't something you adopt and put it on the shelf. It's like a business plan. You have to go back and check it. You know, how's it working? Do we need to tweak it here? Do we have enough, you know, land for housing or commercial development or whatever we might need to continue to meet the, uh, the needs of the community? You know, whether it's the, the housing needs or the economic needs. Um, you know, there's sort of an expression, the, the triple bottom line, you're trying to... Um, you know, assist in the development of the economic resources, the human potential, as well as the environmental quality of the community. And so trying to strike that balance between those three needs uh, is, you know, sort of what we're, what we're looking at. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we've, we've gone through the, the process to adopt it. Um, you know, there are, we've been challenged over the, the EIR, so we'll continue to work through that. Okay. But uh, now it's like, okay, let's look at these, uh, these measures. And some of them are applied sort of on a regular basis with every project that comes in. Mm -hmm. You know, have we met all those criteria? And there's a 50 or 60 some standards that we said, you know, we will review projects against these criteria to make sure we're consistent with the general plan. So that's something we do on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. The rest of the programs are things that, um, you know, sort of one, one time, you know, programs that we need to develop. You mentioned greenhouse gases. You know, that's something the state says you must do, cities and counties. So we've started on that. Fortunately, the um, uh, Calaveras Council of Governments is um, sort of spearheading that, funding that program through a state grant, working uh, cooperatively with the City of Angels Camp to um, develop, first off, a, a, um, an inventory. You know, what are we doing right now? Because unless we know what we're doing, how are we supposed to um, reduce it? So that's in process. We've hired a consultant uh, who's done a lot of those kinds of um, programs up and down the Sierra Nevada, um, the Sierra Business Council, working with them to uh, develop that inventory. And then the next step will say, okay, what can we do to reduce our impact over all the greenhouse gases? So that's one thing that we're working on. Um, we've undertaken a, a comprehensive zoning code update um, so we're going back and revisiting 
you know, how our zoning is. You know, it's, it's a patchwork of amendments dating back to the 60s when the original, not original, but the most recent comprehensive rewrite of the code was adopted. And every time we change something, we add it. And it gets a little bit out of date, and we you know, begin to see some inconsistencies. Maybe we made an edit over here, and it affected something else, which we didn't think about at the time. So we're going to relook at the whole code comprehensively, mm -hmm. add the things that we said we were going to add with the general plan, uh, revisit some of those issues, such as vacation rentals and agritourism, and you know, how is that working for us? So there will be a lot of of work over the next oh, year and a half or so as we you know, go through that process to update the code. With the zoning codes, it's, it sounds like you're describing kind of a patchwork develops over time, right? Yes. Where, where somebody from outside looking in might look at the zoning on a parcel and think, well, that seems out of place or that's odd. And so we're looking now mm -hmm. here at essentially con developing some consistency? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Um, do we have a situation where, okay, we've got residential smack in the middle of a commercial district and commercial smack in the middle of a residential district in the county or industrial thrown in with residential? I mean, describe that patchwork a little well, bit. Well, we, we, we do have that, and, and we did just finish a comprehensive zoning map update okay. to bring the zoning into conformance with the general plan land use designation. So, so the hierarchy, you've got the general plan, you've got the land use designation that says basically commercial here, we'll have some mixed use areas within our existing communities, we have residential areas, we have resource areas, and then those are broken down into the various zones, and you okay. might have several zones that fit a land use category. Mm -hmm. And so it's refined a bit. You might have the downtown commercial C1 type of zone. Outside of town, you might have more of your general commercial where you have your you know, more industrial type of uses. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, with an existing community, you're going to find those anomalies where there's houses in the middle of commercial or, you know, industrial use that's been there for decades. It's right. a sort of, you know, and you just have to work around that. You right. can't, you know, we're, we, don't, we don't have a, a clean slate. You know, this is not, you know, 1848. This is you know, 2021. <laughs> so we're looking at what's on the ground today. How do we want to enhance what we've got? Um, maybe correct some of the problems, but we're certainly not going to say you've got to close down your business right. because that should be residential. You know, we have to recognize what's already there. Mm -hmm. And I think that we've gotten away from the classic Euclidean type of zoning where residence is here and commercial is here. I mean, you look at the, the vibrant communities and you've got housing mixed in with businesses so that you've got a, you know, when the Offices close in the evening time. People are still in the community. They would walk to restaurants and shops. And so you've got this mix of uses that they don't all have to be separated by mm -hmm. this finite line. Mm -hmm. uh, You're right. Some of the most, I guess, interesting communities to spend a full day in are mm -hmm. just that way where you can walk anywhere you want, you want to get yeah. to. And you might have an apartment above a, a shop or something right. like that. And, and either the shopkeeper owns it or it's a rental for you know, an mm -hmm. individual or a young family or something like that. So having that mix of uses, I think, is really good. Yeah. Now, the way these programs get, as far as their implementation, uh, we've got the general plan, um, let's say, on greenhouse gases or resource protection or something, what we're trying to accomplish there. Is, the planning, is it the planning department's um, job to now come up with policies that would essentially get us to what the general plan is trying to accomplish? Is, is that the role of the planning department in implementing these programs? Or, or are those policies um, 
del or already directed to you as to what you must do. Does the state tell you these are the policies you must implement as part of these programs? Uh, it's a combination of both. Okay. I mean, some of the things are dictated by the state. We've got legislation that you know comes up every year, whether it's housing, greenhouse gas reduction, fire protection measures. Right now, there's some regulations that are being promulgated by the state that could be very, very restrictive on rural housing development. Mm -hmm. um, now, for good reason. We've had some catastrophic fires throughout the state over the last several years. Um, but at some point, you have to you know strike a balance again between. You know, someone's right to develop their property and the need to protect that from, from fire. Um, so, yes, we get you know, dictates from the state. Uh, we have policies that were adopted with the general plan, so this is what we need to do. And then my and my staff's um, job is to try to implement those policies. Mm -hmm. So we get the directive from the board, this is what we want to do. We come up with a program that says, okay, here's the policy, here's how we think we can make that happen. Right. You know, the Planning Commission and the board and the public will weigh in on that process, and hopefully we come out with a result at the end that says, okay, here's how we're going to move forward with the program. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Um, well, let's, you know, a little bit about specifics on some of the programs like um, resource protection, for example. Well, you've been at this now for a year. Can you talk a little bit about a program with some specifics about examples of, well, this is what we did in order to, you know, accomplish this policy that was given. I bring up the resource protection as an example, or maybe it's greenhouse gas, something that you actually said, this is how we're, what we're going to do to do it. And, and well, we're still in the early stages of a lot of these bigger programs. Okay. You know, we focused on the zoning map update. Um, this past year, we started on the zoning code update, um, and so, um, but let's use the greenhouse gas, you know, we said, okay, we need to meet the state mandate for greenhouse gas reduction. Uh, whether you agree with it or not, or whether you think it's a good idea, we have to do it. And so, you know, the first thing to do, like I said, we, um, we do an inventory. Where, where do we stand right now? The next step will be to come up with some policies, some, some programs where they, okay, we can do X, Y, and Z to facilitate the reduction of, you know, carbon dioxide em emissions primarily. Mm -hmm. You know, how can we maybe reduce vehicle tr miles traveled? Um, how can we um, change over some of the uh, energy use uh, to a more, um, uh, what's the term? Um, I guess greener or less greener. Green yeah, gas, right? I'm drawing a blank on the term, um, but uh, you know, using less you know carbon-based um, mm -hmm. uh, re re renewable energy okay. sources: wind, hydro, solar. Um, and so, are there a way that we can uh, perhaps reduce the costs or reduce the regulatory requirements? That would encourage people then say, well, it's going to be you know, less expensive for me to put in solar panels. Uh, so um, you know, let's do that. You know, make it make it simpler to get through the process. So it encourages people to do those kind of things. You know, we're not going to say you must put solar panels on your house, mm -hmm. but if we can make it so it's more cost effective to do that, mm -hmm. then people will choose you know to to do those kinds yeah, of things. Yeah, from a regulatory or cost standpoint, mm -hmm. it's incentivized. Right. right. Okay. Well, now on the zoning map updates. Um, 
if if viewers wanted to go see what's been done there, is it online at the planning department? Are we able to see where we're? Yes, at if you go to the planning department website and. Um, we have sort of a new GIS uh, system that is a, a web-based open portal. And so you can go to that if you click on zoning, it drops down to a zoning map, um, and that will open up that portal. You can go directly to your property either by sort of you know, scrolling around the map, zooming in on it, or you can put your assessor's parcel number in mm. um, and it'll take you right to that property. And you can see whether it was changed or not. We had about almost 7,000 parcels that we changed, although the bulk of those were um, changing from what we termed uh, interim zones, the unclassified zone primarily, which has been around for when zoning was first established in the county. Mm. And it was always intended to be changed to something else once the general plan was adopted, but it never happened. Mm. And so it was really sort of a throwback to, we don't really want to have zoning in the county but the state said we had to, so fine, we'll just zone everything unclassified. <laughs> um, and, you know, over time that was modified, but it was always the intent to, at least, you know, over the last several decades, to change that to something else. And so that was the bulk of the changes that were made. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, it, you know, the unclassified zone allowed a residence and agricultural uses. And so most of those parcels were rezoned to rural residential or residential agriculture or maybe the A1 ag zone. Mm -hmm. um, so it didn't really change and people's no uses. It's, yeah, use change, it just yeah. sort of said, okay, here are the, here are the zones. So you know, we'll be eliminating the unclassified zone with the, the, the code update. The map now has already changed that. Mm -hmm. um, so. Well, how long did that take? Huh? <laughs> that well, we started on that uh, over a year ago. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it was quite um, a mapping exercise. I like to call it art therapy. Okay. You know, you go through, you look at the map, you look at the colors, and you say, okay, well, maybe that should be this, and, you know, what's around it? Um, and so with that many parcels, I had my entire staff working on it at some time or another during the past year. Wow. Everyone took a section of the county, and they said, okay, let's look at this area here. And, you know, we identified all of the unclassified parcels and all the inconsistent parcels, and, you know, did a, made a decision, what do we think it should change to? Mm -hmm. And then I had a key group, two of my senior planners and myself, review that once again. So we were, had some consistency throughout uh, and finally went through a you know, hearing process um, with the planning commission and the board just adopted it earlier this month. Wow. Well, you get, sounds like excellent processes were in place. Um, thank you for that. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about where the cannabis programs are at now in the county. I mean, that was the hot button issue a couple times when you and I did the show, and uh, well, we were right in the thick of it back then, but now things obviously have settled down. Um, to refresh people's minds, I guess growers need to be on 20-acre parcels now in the county, and they can grow up to one acre on that 20 acres, is that right? Right. So. Um you can have it in you know several of the resource zones, res ag, ag, general forest. Um, you have to have 20 acres for a um, up to an acre cultivation. If you have larger parcels, say you have 100 acres, you could have multiple what's referred to as a premises. That's okay. what the state law term is for a, a cultivation site. Um, so one premise for every 20 acres, up to five premises. Um, I think we have a, a few. Uh, of those, you know, on larger parcels in the county. Um, fortunately for me, the board decided to create a whole separate 
cannabis uh, division under the CAO's office. There's a, a division of cannabis control director, uh, his own staff. So uh, other than just sort of a, a review with each application to ensure it's conformed with zoning and some of the, the uh, planning requirements, um, my work is relatively simple on that, thankfully. Okay. <laughs> it, is, it was something that certainly I knew was an issue when I started seven years ago. Yeah. Had I known how all-consuming it would have been, <laughs> might have rethought the decision. But you know, we were we were on the cutting edge for a while. Yeah. You know, we stepped back. We went back and forth between a ban and a regulatory program and you know, the interim ordinance. So we've had our fits and starts. You know, I think it's it's like you say, it's settled down. Um, there's you know certainly a lot less than was here during the days of the, um, the urgency ordinance. Yeah. Uh, I think that was, you know, we, we definitely had some, um, you know, drawbacks with that program. Uh, I think that we've resolved most of those. The one thing they're working on right now is a little more vertical integration. The board's made a couple of um, edits to the, the code. Um, we've updated the retail ordinance to bring that into compliance with uh, state law. Uh, we've recently made some, mod or last time we made some modifications to um, the processing and some of the testing requirements just we you know we've discovered and it is something we should always do when we adopt a code you know how's it working for it do we need to make some tweaks and right. so we made some minor revisions last summer and then recently the board wanted us to proceed with allowing testing and distribution so every cannabis crop has to be tested and has to go through a distributor a grower can't just sell it directly to a retailer or to a wholesale outfit. They have to go through a state licensed distributor. So right now that's all being handled by out-of-county businesses. Mm -hmm. And so the board, in a way to vertically integrate the, um, the industry, has said, well, why not have you know, someone local doing that? Yeah. And so um, we just finished the draft of that ordinance today, working with county council and um, the DCC, and that will be going to the planning commission uh, next month. Interesting, yeah. Seemed to me that would uh, uh, cut down on expenses for the local growers and um, probably provide even better oversight for, for on the part of the county and law enforcement, the ability to know what's what's going on in the community with that right. industry. Right. Um, well, very good. Now, I, I remember during the urgency ordinance, there were something like over 700 cultivators, and now there are fewer than 100. Is that not uh, still So accurate? the... the um, the ordinance the board adopted allows approximately 200, 190 okay. to 200 um, applicants. They had to meet certain criteria to qualify. Um, I understand, and this number is just sort of you know, general, about 140 or so applications have been submitted so far, and for, last I heard, 45 have been approved. Oh, wow. So it's significantly less right. than um, was there before. And I think what we found during the days of the urgency ordinance was that, you know, there were a lot of sort of sketchy folks that were involved in that mm -hmm. and they were not always upfront about the realities of what they were doing. Sure. So, you know, out of the, do we have 700 or so applications? I think over half of them were denied because they just, you know, had provided us misinformation. Mm -hmm. And so, the, you know, the, the, the legitimate growers were, um, you know, they've tried to do what's right, try to abide by all the rules, and those are the people that are are operating now, and I think for yeah. the most part will. Well, and there are also people who pursued a state license, right? Right, they had to have had a state yeah. license to, to have qualified. Yeah, and many of the urgency ordinance growers did not go down that right. road. Yeah. Right, right. <clears throat> um, 
Well, on uh, an, an economic topic, uh, something I think you'll be well informed about, talk a little bit about what's going on in the planning department with um, housing in our county as uh, it's been such an interesting year with people finding they can work from home so long as they have a high-speed internet connection tends to be the, the requirement <laughs> there. Um, how, how's that changing our, our county demographically from the standpoint of, of housing, the boom there, economically, I say more than even yeah. than demographically? I think we're, we're going to see a fairly significant shift. Mm -hmm. um, you know, recent studies have shown that people are moving out of their ur urban areas, particularly the Bay Area and Southern California, you know, to rural counties in California as well as out of state. Mm -hmm. um, you, know, you don't have to pay the high you know, housing costs of the Bay Area. Um, you know, maybe they go in for you know a couple days during the week, and the rest of the time they're working from home. You know, I know a number of people that had vacation homes up in the Arnold area, for example. Uh, when COVID hit, they started working from home and said, "Hey, I could live here." And so they recently bought you know housing in the you know, Murphy's or Arnold area. Um, housing is really at a premium right now mm -hmm. in in the Arnold area and Murphy's. You know, something will go on the market and it snapped up like that. Mm -hmm. Um, we're seeing a lot of activity in the building department as well as planning um, significant increase in the number of building permits um, as well as you know just uh, resale of, of existing homes yeah um, are there are any subdivisions uh, any of those type of projects uh, coming through your department right now we're beginning to see some primarily older projects that have been on hold for a long time are being reactivated mm. Um, not a lot of new ones yet, but I think that's probably likely in the future. Uh, some of the, the um, subdivisions that were previously recorded but not constructed. Uh, so when you go through a subdivision process, you get the tentative map approved and you have a period of time in which to put in the roads, put in the infrastructure, um, do the survey, record the map. That allows you then to sell those lots. Okay. Um, and then you can either sell them to you know, individual buyers or maybe a, a, a production home builder will build out the subdivision. We don't see that too much of that here in uh, Calaveras County, but in other areas you see much more production builders, you know, the big statewide home builders. But here, you know, the, ho homes are, the lots are sold, someone will build a house. We're beginning to see a little bit more of that. So these um, subdivisions that were approved years ago, uh, had been on hold for a while, maybe they'd been granted a number of extensions. Um, they've been recorded recently, so you see more lots available for, for sale. Um, and so then with that, then you start seeing more building permits as yeah. uh, the builders want to you know, start building on, the, on those parcels. Um, well, uh, how, how difficult or time-consuming is it for someone if they if they had property in our county to go through the subdivision process if they wanted to build a project? Well, let's assume that, you know, it's zoned and planned properly for, sure. for that. We know we've got an area that we've identified for future residential use. Mm -hmm. um, they submit a tentative subdivision map. Um, that's reviewed in-house. We send it out to all the various state and local agencies, you know, the water, to, you know, water and fire and sewer. Um, you know, are there environmental concerns? We have to go through the uh, Environmental Quality Act process, CEQA, mm -hmm. uh, to determine are there significant impacts? How do you mitigate those? You know, uh, can the roads handle it? Uh, is there adequate infrastructure? Do you need to um, put in, you know, a new sewage treatment plant or additional water treatment or storage for it? So, you know, that's easily a year process wow. uh, just you know to coordinate all that to negotiate with the applicant you know maybe make some changes to it 
Um, sometimes special studies are required. We have to look at archaeology and biological resources, traffic studies, um, engineering studies for water and sewer. So once you get through all that, then you go through the hearing process, uh, and then it's approved by um, the Planning Commission and or yeah. the Board of Supervisors. A subdivision then is good for three years. Okay. Um, but there are provisions in the MAP Act to extend that for an additional, I think it's six years now. So uh, often we've you know, approved extensions um, for pr primarily for economic reasons in, in the past. And, you know, the, the market was just, you know, there wasn't a demand for it. So it wouldn't make sense to invest, in some cases, millions of dollars in infrastructure for lots you can't sell. Right. Uh, so, um, but now things seem to be picking up a little bit. There's more interest in it. And so we're seeing these maps recorded and, and building to begin. And, and, and again, there are projects that have been on hold. They weren't approved. There were some issues that needed to be resolved. And now the applicants are saying, I think I'm ready to move forward with this project now. So we're seeing that occur in our department. Right. It, at one point, it, it wasn't worth that extra effort and right. cost. And, and now it is. Mm -hmm. huh? Yeah, if you're going to pay, you know, $20,000 for a traffic study, it's like, well, you know, I'm not going to be able to sell these lots yeah. anyway. I'll just hold on to that cash until yeah. it's ripe for development. Yeah, and so we are seeing an environment like that now, mm -hmm. you see. Huh? Yeah, it's beginning. Yeah. You know, it's nothing like it was back in the mid-2000s where you couldn't approve projects fast enough for the applicants. Really? But uh, they're, they're beginning to show a little, little more interest. And I think this change of, of you know, people moving from the urban areas saying, hey, I can work remotely, mm -hmm. uh, the technology works. I think a, 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 um, a component of that is going to be the improvement to uh, Internet. Mm -hmm. If we can get broadband here, that will make a, a significant change in the ability for people to, um, to work remotely. Right. Uh, and to just, you know, enhance our own... Uh, business uh, ability. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I mentioned I have an interest in a winery, and, and sometimes you know it crashes, and you can't <laughs> yeah. use your POS system to you know yeah. make the payments, and it's like that's ah, so frustrating because the you know internet is just sketchy in parts of the of the county. So yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, it's it's absolutely the it's the I guess the spinal cord of commerce. Mm -hmm. Now, um, well, you know, uh, Peter, we've we're down to our last couple minutes, so we won't be able to get into lodging issues and vacation rentals and stuff um, to, to much extent. But um, I guess if you were going to say anything about what's going on in, in that regard in the county, uh, do you want to give our viewers any, any kind of insight for about a minute? Well, I, I, yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, as um, people start traveling again, there's going to be a, a bigger interest in tourism. I think you see, you know, an increase in local tourism. People maybe not traveling to Europe, but hey, let's go up to the wine country. Let's, you know, visit the Sierra Nevada and the foothills and go to, you know, big trees and, or, you know, other local, more local things. So we're seeing a fairly significant increase in local tourism uh, and with that a demand for lodging. Uh, in some communities, I think that you know, any time a house goes open up for sale, it's been snapped up by someone who wants to convert it to a vacation rental. So that ha has an adverse effect on the affordability of housing in the community, particularly rental housing. Yeah. Um, and so that's something I think we'll need, need to be looking at in, in the near future if that continues. Sounds like a topic for our next show, but you'd be in retirement at that time. <laughs> Well, uh, thank you again, Peter Maurer, our uh, Calaveras County Planning Director, for about another month or five weeks or so. Thank you for joining us, Peter. Oh, it's been great. I always enjoyed this. And thank you to our viewers for joining us again on Inside View.